Welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Selinski, aka the Running Wine Mom. Welcome to this episode of our podcast where we sit down with an inspiring school counselor, mother of two, and one of my work besties, Carissa Calderon. She is passionate about promoting health and wellness in her students, her children, and in her personal life. Our guest today is not only an expert in mental health and academic support, but also a fitness enthusiast who believes in the power of physical activity to improve overall well-being. She works tirelessly to help her students and community to lead healthy and active lifestyles and has even implemented innovative programs to encourage students to incorporate exercise into their daily routines. Today, we'll dive into her journey to becoming a school counselor, how she intertwines her love for fitness into her work with students and her children, and we will also gain some valuable insights on how we can all lead healthier and happier lives. So let's welcome our guest, Carissa, and get ready for an exciting and informative conversation. Welcome, Carissa. Hi. Happy to be here. So happy to have you. I know you were one of the first people I told about the podcast, and you were very excited to be on it. Yes, I was. This is true. So we are glad to have you here. So we're starting off like every episode. What is your wine of the week? Of the week is always Pinot Grigio. Love it. Always. Preferably Santa Margarita Pinot Uh. Grigio. Um, but I am lately have become a tequila girl. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're a tequila of the week. <laughs> um, Casamigos Blanco mm. would be my tequila of the week. Love that. Now that we have your wine and tequila of the week, what is your wine of the week? So I don't have one. We have two wins of the week. Okay. That's good. Share them. So my birthday was the past week. Yes. And I received a awesome award Burlington County School Counselor of the Year so amazing award. I'm so, so proud of I you I had two wins thank you very much and um, no wine really I can't complain <laughs> well for your birthday week I guess it's good to not have a wine so that's awesome true I was I don't really think well I did have a wine this week only really just cleaning and getting ready for Parker's christening which is always just very stressful and then the win of the week was getting him christened yesterday. Yes, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So I always start off also asking, what are three things that you are most proud of in your life? My career, my family, which focuses on on my children, my two children, and I would say my strength in being a good friend. Yes, that is a very good strength that you have. I'm very grateful that you are my friend as well. All right, we're going to start off with the fitness part. Krissa and I definitely have the same values when it comes to working out and for our mental health and for our physical health as well. We typically on Wednesdays do our Wednesday walks when we're not getting coffee uh, during our lunch hour. But what is your favorite way to stay active? I think my favorite way to stay active is just I've learned to fit any type of being active, any portion of my day, whatever I'm doing. I love to take a spin class. I love to take walks. I love to um, walk my dogs. But I think just getting out the release, um, if I'm stressed or overworked or just feel like I need a release, that's the best way that I to stay active. 
And one of the best things, obviously, me being a phys ed teacher, I'm always in my workout gear, but you come in the weight room and your heels and your dress and you don't, you don't care if it, what you're in, you can get it in, which is the best example of it. It's true. I do. <laughs> do, do I do do that. You're absolutely right. <laughs> So how do you stay motivated to maintain your own fitness routine? So it's funny, but simple. Um, when I was in grad school, I met another professional who was a workout enthusiast and she would give herself stickers on her calendar <laughs> for the days of the week that she worked out. And I started that almost 20 years ago. So I've continued to do it on my calendar and planner. I give myself a sticker and that reward of the sticker (laughs) because at the end of the month when I can count them up, I know it's so simple and so juvenile, but it makes me accountable. Yeah. I can see how often I do it and it makes me feel accomplished, not just the workout, but being able to say, all right, I did it and I can kind of show for it. Yeah, for sure. that is really how I stay motivated. I love it. That, I mean, extrinsic motivation, right? Seeing the little sticker and it's very elementary idea, but obviously it's worked for you for 20 years. So it's definitely something that other people should probably utilize too. What struggles do you have to stay healthy and fit? So like you mentioned, we meet on Wednesdays and I have another friend that I work out with other days of the week. So when I don't have those partners, sometimes it's hard to keep myself accountable. Mm -hmm. But when I do, it actually just makes it that more exciting. I know I get, I don't want to let you down or my other friends down, but there are obviously some days when I have to push myself even to get out of bed to do that first workout in the morning. Yeah, that's definitely the toughest one. Well, you do such a good job of it. How has your approach to fitness changed over the years? And as you get older, as we all do, what are some things that you've had to adjust and what challenges have you faced in regards to fitness? Well, I think just staying consistent, number one, Going through, as you get older, the changes that your bodies go through, little things can be a little more painful than they once were. And just being able to fit it in, like I said, I have two active children and they continue their physical journey. So there are times when I can be found at a soccer tournament in between games, doing a Peloton walk or run before I pick them up from school or an activity or just finding other moms or other people to walk and work with. Also, I have two very active dogs who also need a walk at the end of the day. (laughs) So in a way, they're like my partners also. So just changing it and realizing that not only it is important to keep up the routine, but it's also important to give yourself a little bit of a rest day in between as well. Do you find it challenging to insert rest days or do yes. you same? <laughs> They're the toughest days. So what benefits have you experienced from maintaining a regular fitness routine, both physically and mentally? Well, I've been able to maintain my weight. I'm at, I'm at a point where I've maintained, which is, can sometimes be the hardest thing to do as you, you become older and all of that and your lifestyle changes. And mentally, it just helps with the stresses of being a wife, being a mother, being a school counselor in a very high needs district where I feel that I'm on all the time. Mm-hmm, so that release sure. is just as just as beneficial, if not more, than the physical aspect of being active. Yeah, you, you can't pour from an empty cup. And you are definitely a go-to for so many people. So prioritizing your mental health, which 
is about when you get your physical health in is really important. You said that your kids are super active, and I know we've talked about them. They're involved in so many different activities, and you kind of touched briefly on how you can be found doing Peloton workouts in the middle of soccer practice. Do you have any method to your madness of balancing your fitness goals with their commitments, or you just kind of play it day by day? It depends. I play it day by day, week by week. If I get an extra workout in during their activities, it's great. I really try to get up in the morning and do something before work, sometimes during work. It depends. But for the most part, I do try to, because it can be a lot of sitting at tournaments, sometimes swim meets. Yeah. You're waiting around some of the the longer times in between the games. So rather just to sit there, I'd rather do something active to move around. And I think it shows... It shows my my children, too, that it's important to not be sedentary. You have a chance to kind of walk around. That's very important to be a role model to them. I know you do such a good job of that. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to improve their fitness and overall health, but they might feel overwhelmed or unsure of where to start? Because I know a lot of people say, I don't have the time, I don't know where to start. And that's really, I think, what the biggest issue for especially women are because they feel like they just don't have enough time. So what advice would you give someone? So I would say just to start small, I don't think you can go into it saying I'm going to work out every single day. I think you have to set realistic goals for yourself. If it's a new activity, maybe two times a week or three times a week, get a partner, get a buddy. You can have that accountability with somebody. Use the sticker chart and be kind to yourself. Try new things. Put yourself in a situation. And I would say switch up your workout so you don't get bored and your body doesn't get used to using only a certain set of muscle muscles. That's definitely something. I feel like I work out based on what activity I feel like doing that day. I'm not just constantly running or I'm not just constantly lifting, but switching it up is definitely super important. So now let's transition into you being a counselor, which definitely falls under the umbrella of mental health, helping others. And again, just congratulations for getting that Burlington County Counselor of the Year. You deserve it. You you. do so much for the kids. And we're going to get into your Red Zone and Leading Ladies program in a minute. But what inspired you to become a school counselor and what do you find most rewarding about your job? I knew I always wanted to work in education. I grew up with a lot of educators in my family, my mom being one. And my mom was a resource room teacher, so she dealt with smaller groups, classified students, students who maybe needed that extra little support and love. I watched her develop the relationships through the years of her being an educator. And I felt that I didn't have that as much at school. I had a great support system at home. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be somebody that was there for the students when they were at home, because not knowing what our world was going to be, they need that just as much as they need somebody at home. And obviously the environment that you and I work in, there is, can be a lack of parental involvement and familial involvement. So we have to step in in a lot of ways for those students. The relationships that I formed are the most rewarding. They surprise me and shock me almost every day the amount of relationships and the strength of those relationships, especially with some of our past students. That's something that I personally really admire about you because 
you take a lot of kids under your wing that maybe other educators might not want to give a chance or you you always find the best part of kids no matter how good or bad they are and they are the ones who need people to be rooting for them the most and I know for me you gave me a lot of insight on how to find that in kids and find the kids that need it them it's not the kids that are doing the best that need it it's sometimes the kids that are doing the worst that need it and that's the whole reason we're in the field we're in is for that so I don't know if I ever told you that but thank you for helping no, me see that I appreciate that and I, I think that took some time for me to develop that aspect I always loved kids I always was good with kids I could always work with kids I nannied for years I was you know a camp counselor I mm-hmm. was always the babysitter but that piece of it I think especially where we work and especially now we have to separate these kids from being a kid versus being the student because Mm -hmm. sometimes those are two separate things and that actually actually one of your administrators said that to me a while ago and I got stuck with me along for a while that it's true you have to separate and then try to mesh those two to help them to, to be a good person that's so true So along the lines of challenges, what are the most common ones that you see the students are facing and how do you work with them to overcome the challenges? I would say self-esteem. I would say navigating social media, I think is a big one. Um, And what I do is I really, like you said, I really try to be transparent, authentic, and there for them and reliable and present when it comes to things. You know, there are times when I just have to say, I, you're coming to me, you're telling me this, you want advice, what do you want from me? I really try to make them own it and have them to identify what it is that's going on. And most of the time they can and they do on their own and they thank me and they don't realize that they've done it all on their own. I just kind of guided them, formulated <laughs> guided them the, the right way. So I think that self-esteem, everyone needs to be told they're doing a good job every once in a while. You know, you're not perfect at everything all the time, but if there's something that you can be recognized for, whether it's, who knows, the fact that you said good morning or the fact that you held a door or something as simple as that, that sometimes has to be celebrated to get some of the bigger things that we as educators and what society expects from them as they grow. And that kind of leads me into the programs that you created, the Red Zone and Leading Ladies programs, which is a mentoring program between the high schoolers and the intermediate school students to help build those skills that they need from older students that have been in their situation. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about those programs that you've created? So I thought of Red Zone first, and the joke is I was in the shower and I just thought of a mentoring. I had a student at the time at Wilbur Watts Intermediate School that used to just show up when I, the days I was covering detention just to hang out with me, whether he had detention or not. And some of the dialogue that the student and I had really was eye-opening. And I even questioned him as to why he was so open with me. And a lot of things that you learn when you ask certain questions can be very intriguing. So it was on my mind. I was thinking about it. And what's unique about our district, and you obviously know this, the high school football field is housed at my school. So to watch the peewee football players, the younger students in my building, when we would get ready for football games on a Friday night, it was almost like the NFL was coming to play there. The excitement, the way everyone would be ready to support as a community, like back to the old, 
you know, the old term of Friday night lights. Yeah. So I have to be honest and everyone jokes about this, but I don't really know football that well. (laughs) My husband was a football player in high school and I've been around it. I was, my daughter cheered, but I didn't know a lot of the terms. So I just Googled football terms and I saw red zone (laughs) Love it. and I wrote down three different terms and I asked people, obviously my husband, and I said, what does that mean? And for a while, I thought uh, the red zone was like a real place on the field. I'm not going to be shy and say that because I think that leads to it. So I presented the idea to the core people, our athletic director at the time, head coach at the time, my director of guidance, the administrators, the behavior team, and presented the idea, obviously with some tweaking and with some open-ended for their feedback, and it just took off. So it was the high school boys were paired with my boys at the uh, intermediate level. And they were, again, some of the challenging students. They were identified by teachers, by through some of the discipline. And the boys from the high school were identified based on their leadership role within the team. Um, At the time, you know, the head football coach, I valued his opinion. I had worked with him previously, so I knew he wasn't going to send me people that I had to kind of oversee in a different way. So the group took off and they would come and meet at my school once a week. The boys were paired up. The boys at my school had to actually earn their way into the program that day. Mm-hmm. They had a scorecard. Oh, yeah. They pretty much kept, we did everything football term. So I was quickly learning, you know, I had X's and O's <laughs> on my whiteboard. I was quickly learning the game. And what I didn't realize was the impact that it was going to have on the high school boys. The impact it was going to have on my boys, but to watch the high school boys become mentors and step up in that step up in that leadership role, I did not I did not anticipate that and I nor did I realize how that was going to play out. So all, all along this happening, I knew I had to involve a female version of of this group and in fact we developed leading ladies. And as you know, the first year of red zone boys i'm still in touch with all of them they are seen some of them are seniors in college and i probably talk to all of them on a monthly if not bi-weekly basis via instagram text email whatever it may be and in fact two of our leading lady alumni are coming in tomorrow to have lunch with my sixth graders Aww. so i didn't and a lot of these students because i've been in the district as long as i have i've known them since they were young so the relationship has formed and the things that they've been able to count on me for and include me in with their life has just been fantastic. That to me, and they've been able to come back and help, you know, the younger students and it's grown even more. And now we kind of have it running the same, but different. Mm-hmm. We have two versions of it. We have now an in my school and then your school has a chapter that kind of meets once or twice a month and then... We still have the high school students coming over. So we've expanded. I'm hoping to get it to the elementary level. Maybe. That would be great. That really would be. Um, even maybe for like some of the seventh and eighth graders to have more leadership and go to those younger ones, that would be a good idea because mm-hmm. they need leadership mm-hmm. from that. I love being a part of that program. It is so nice to see the boys and girls just show the younger kids and tell the younger kids and understand that they were there not so long ago and the younger students really just they idolize the older kids which is really nice 
So what advice would you give to parents who are looking to support their children's academic and emotional well-being at home? And what resources would you recommend for parents of children who may be struggling with these issues? I'm a firm believer in the development starts at home Mm -hmm. and the consistency and the routine and the rules and the boundaries that you establish within the home. But it also takes a village. It also takes a team to help with any child. Academically, if there are questions, I feel like there are resources within the school, places you can reach out. I have parents that reach out to me about a lot of different things. You, We sometimes forget about our pediatrician, who is a wealth of knowledge and information. I do have a resource guide through our county, and I've gotten feedback from other parents of some of the, the resources that I've recommended. But I think if, if there's something you have a question about, you have to ask because you might not know. And that's yeah. okay. I think that we have to ask and be there for each other and try to figure out. A lot of people ask other parents. I know you have a group of moms that yeah. you talk to. I have a group of moms that I talk to. I have some friends that are older. I have older cousins. I mean, I reach out. I obviously talk to my mom. But I think that if you don't have that, that's another piece that I try to engage when I see those parents or those families or their students and I reach out and I feel that there may be something that's lacking or something that they need. I'm just very transparent and I ask. I will help where I need to. Also, I think that's so important too because I think some people are just afraid to ask and Mm -hmm. they find that the answer is actually much simpler than the lead up to it essentially. And I mean, it's just like anything in life you have to learn. I sometimes feel as though when people graduate high school or college, they're like, okay, I'm done learning. But it's such a terrible mindset to have because you can just be forever learning. And that's where I think people are scared to ask for help because I think sometimes they might think it makes them look weak, which is not the case at all. We are going to transition now into how counseling and parenting is kind of one in the same. But first of all, how do you balance your responsibilities of a school counselor and a parent? Because it is a big mental load on you. You're bringing all of these other students' problems home with you sometimes in your head. And how do you balance that with dealing with your own children? Well, I have to be honest, some days I don't. Some days I don't balance it. My husband is also in a school. He's a classroom teacher, and there are challenges that he has as well. I, age appropriately, will discuss sometimes, obviously leaving students' names out, but I will appropriately describe things that have happened in my day sometimes to my children so they know that maybe my attitude or my exhaustedness is not because of them. There was a night the other night that I really had to dig deep because my son was having a little bit of a meltdown, rightfully so, typically age-appropriate, sixth grade, some school worries, and it was right at bedtime, and I could not wait to get into bed, and I had I literally took a breath and was like, I have to help him through this right now. I'm the one he's counting on, and I did this all day. This doesn't stop, so I have to make sure... And, it, and I had to tell myself that. I had to remind myself that this is okay, that this is hard right now, but your son needs you. We got through it, and I took a breath, and I was able to address it enough for him. I couldn't solve it and fix it right at that moment, but enough for him to make him feel supported and cared for for him to go to sleep because I don't like anybody to go to bed. What advice do you have for parents who are struggling to support their child's emotional needs? You obviously can 
like you said, you took a breath, you just kind of realized you just have to push through it sometimes. But what are some other ways that you can help deal with their emotional needs? I think there are things like you like you're finding as a mom that you kind of knew before you came, became a mom. Mm-hmm. Like you knew they were going to get sick. You knew they were going to scrape their knee. You knew there were going to be peer conflicts. But there are other things that you're like, wait, I didn't think about this or I didn't realize how hard this was going to this was going to affect me, affect them, affect my husband, affect the household. So I think you have to remind yourself that there's a commonality to that. And some of it is okay to have but when it's something you can't manage then you have to ask for help i like that that's that's really good advice how do you approach difficult conversations with your own children like mental health relationships substance abuse all of that do you think it makes it easier because you kind of have so much practice with kids every day that when your own children have their more serious issues that it makes it easier or you think it makes it harder because you don't want to think it could be your own child It depends on the topic, I have to be honest with you. Depends on what it is. My children are very open and honest with me. We have a lot of good dialogue. And I will say for you moving forward, the best time to have a conversation is in the car because nobody can walk away. (laughs) So I do a lot of conversations in the car because nobody can walk away and we're with each other. So I've been very lucky that, like I said, that they come to me about things I'm experiencing a 15, almost 16-year-old girl. So she's very open and honest with me. I think that starting that relationship young and and continuing that and putting the time in with a relationship is helpful. But obviously, some of the conversations are going to be difficult and you have to kind of rely on your spouse or somebody else who's gone through it. But right now, where we are today, there's been a lot of conversation that I've had with both of my children. And it has, some of it has helped being able that I've had the practice and some of it hasn't. So Mm -hmm. it just really depends sometimes on everybody's mood also. Well, that's so true because I was saying in my episode with my sister how I don't really understand people not being a teacher that you could just parent out there in the world. Not that you can't do it, but we just have a lot more resources that we, and training that mm-hmm. we have. But as you're saying right now, sometimes that just isn't even able to help them as well. Do you think being a parent has influenced your approach to the way you work with students and families? I know it was 16-ish years ago since you've had no children, but do you think that your outlook on the way that you deal with families changed once you had kids? Without a doubt. It just opened my eyes differently. I've always been able to have empathy and to work with people very well and form relationships and make people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But that just gave me a different level of similarity and a different level of respect for parents in general mm-hmm. in a totally different way. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. I think for me, understanding some of the family dynamics we are aware of with our kids. But then once I had kids and I realized, for example, a single mom who is working shift work and the kid would say, oh, you know, my mom had to work really late last night. And before kids, I'm like, okay, that really stinks. That's a shame. But like when I have kids, it's such a different perspective of the Mm -hmm. effort and the sacrifices that a lot of the parents are making for their kids and me wanting to be more of a parent figure for some of the kids because 
their parents are working so hard to try and give them everything they can and they just need that village. As we end this section, obviously counseling and parenting are all very stressful and it takes a lot of work to try and perfect both of them, which we know kind of can't really happen, but we do our best to. (laughs) So how do you prioritize your self-care and maintain a healthy work-life balance as the school counselor and a parent? Well, I'm working on that, to be (laughs) honest. I haven't really prioritized that yet, but I'm working on it. I think I do the best that I can do right now with Mm -hmm. maintaining my social my time with my girlfriends, my time with my husband, my time with each of my children, my time to get my nails done, do my fitness routine. I've been getting better at trying to chill and just like watch a little TV. <laughs> but I think the balance just depends on the day again and, and the season. I kind of go by seasons. We're going yeah. to transition into spring sports season over here. My daughter plays two spring sports. My son has a little bit of a break for his next, the next round of swim. So it just, I, I go by the seasons right now. I have to be honest yeah. and I work on it. It's That's definitely one of my challenges, but I will continue to work on it. And I do, I think you do such a great job from an outside perspective, even though you're saying, you know, you're, you're still working on getting better better at it but I don't know how you do all that you do with the kids and then you do you do make such an effort to have girlfriends and go out to dinner with them and make time for fun for yourself which is one of the most important things and something that a lot of parents fall off when they have kids they don't make that time for fun anymore it's all about the kids and while your kids are your world you still have that sense of self outside of it i appreciate that (laughs) i think that i do i just think sometimes in the certain the moments i forget and i have to remember it's it's okay it's a learning process it's not a not going to perfect this and as your children my obviously my priorities and my my times were different when my children were younger yeah they're older and they required there's different needs and there's different time commitments it just depends on on i think the season i yeah i guess they grow and mature and, and change let's get into raising teenagers so you have a teenager and you have a preteen, technically, I guess. Yes, he'll be 12 in July. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced as a mother of a teenage girl specifically, and how have you navigated those challenges? I'm extremely lucky with this one, Mm -hmm. I have to say. (laughs) I also have to realize there, you have to get rid of the misconception of what you think your children are going to become and what they're going to be. So they, they form and they become their own person. And it's fun to be a part of it and to watch them and to develop the relationships with them. But there are times when I know I need to give her space and depend on her mood. There's a competitive side to her that I don't have. I admire. Mm -hmm. She's had the, she's had perseverance and resilience since she was very young. So to watch that and develop and some of the things that she's done, I did never do and would have never done at that age. And then also then my son they're completely different Mm -hmm. children it's fun too it's just you have to almost switch you remember kind of which kid you're working with it is so cool to see how different your kids are and just how you think your kids should be a certain way and your kids are both extremely different but they both flourish in 
such different ways and that's something I think a lot of people don't really get to experience is seeing they're both not into the same specific sport and have the same mindset for it or they're both not into doing a certain instrument or something you know a lot of times like in my family we did a lot of the same sports and we had a lot of the same social scenes things that we did and to watch your kids be so very different is you're almost like how did that how did that happen that's really it's it's really cool though it's true because Mateo made a comment, Liliana, she tried every sport, really did. And for a while they were both doing swim and Liliana did make the decision to give it up and, and move on to track. And when she decided that, Mateo was like, yes, I have my own sport. It was really cute. But I think what the biggest thing that I've seen from them, as different as they are, is their ability to be so resilient yes. and to persevere and to be dedicated. And they both have had letdowns. They're major areas of things that they wanted and didn't make the team or didn't make stage crew and came back in full force. Like, how can I get this? I really want it. That's not all people, yeah. not just kids, do that. You're rejected by something. You, some, you want to throw in the towel sometimes and give up. But the fact that they're able to do that and, you know, I, I think my husband and I do a very good job supporting them, mm-hmm. and showing them. And in a way, it's kind of a learning experience for them because I don't want them going through their life or getting to college and have never experienced rejection. Yeah. I want them to be able to understand what that means and how it, if you want something bad enough, you don't give up. You just figure out another way how to get it or work a little harder. And it's like easy to say, but it's really hard to do. I remember when we were out to dinner last year with Mateo and he didn't make the stage crew and you had just said, okay, just send an email and just let them know that you're still interested if anybody like drops out. And then when you recently told me that he made stage crew this year, it was, I was so excited for him because a lot of kids might've just been like, yeah, I'm just not gonna try out next year because I didn't make it this year. But he did a lot of the things that you had the advice that you had given him and then he went out again this year and then he made it which was I was so happy when you said that he did just I know I I know I agree with you I almost had a pullover when I got the email I mean because you don't want to see your kids struggle you You don't don't. yeah It's, it's normal people that you love you don't want them to struggle but at the end of the day you know that this is teaching them something because it's gonna only benefit them later on in life right be upset absolutely you had feeling and emotion towards it But then let's figure out what we can do. We can't live in that moment of being negative about it. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what we can do. If it's something that you truly still want, how are we going to get there? So I appreciate that you remembered that. Yeah, I did. It's show week this week. Oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh. So how do you communicate? It's probably more specifically for the daughter, but obviously for boys, too, it's important for them to have positive body image. But how raising a daughter... Have you addressed body image issues with her if she's had any? I think, to be honest with you, I still battle with that. Yeah. I think as old, I think with women as old as it doesn't matter how old we are or how in shape we are or how confident we are or whether people perceive us. I think that's something I'll battle with mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel sometimes that maybe I've said it too much out loud and I don't want to give her any thoughts she doesn't need because I'm sure she has her own thoughts. Yeah. Um, she is very athletic build. People have made comments, you know, other girls probably because they were jealous of the way that her legs are built because she's strong. So we try to use 
terms like that, like you're strong and you're, you work out to be healthy and to be in shape and to yeah. be better at your sport, not to look a certain way. Not to way. look a certain way. That's definitely something that I actively now even work with with Willow. When she goes to the gym with me, you know, she goes to kids club, but a lot of times we walk around and she'll ask, what are they doing or what are they? And I'll always say, look at how strong they're getting. Or we talk about strength over skinniness. Don't ever want to say, oh, if you eat this, then you'll be fat. Those are just not terms that I want her to have. So I think I'm trying to work for it now and you're in the middle of it with when the issues really kind of start. Yes. So to kind of continue down that path, how does raising a boy differ from raising a girl? Well, my girl is my first. Yeah. There's a different with your first and your second. I think for a long time, I mean, I never tried to do any of the gender toys or yeah to say you can't play with it like I didn't try to do real I didn't do any of that my mom didn't do any of that with me I'm the oldest girl and I have a I have a brother I guess the differences of how different they are and I sometimes I mean yes I obviously have a boy and a girl but I try not to make that the focus of how I raise them or Mm -hmm. how I view them or the way the relationship is does that make sense of course what are some unique challenges that you've faced in parenting both of them have you had anything that sticks out in regards to whether it being a son and a daughter challenge or just in general? I come from a strong Italian background. Mm-hmm. So the son holds that, my son, sort, yeah. of, <laughs> sort of a stigma. And I just think maybe the way that other people perceive the way that things you know, yeah. are supposed to be or how you're supposed to raise your children we try to they both do the same kinds of chores they both have the same expectations it's all about becoming good people i think so we've had some challenges behaviorally along the way and we've had some challenges socially along the way for for both of them and some and academically along the way Mm -hmm. you know mateo is not your typical guy's guy i would i would like Mm -hmm. to say he's very theatrical and creative so maybe you know, the fact that he's not out playing football, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother. It's what he chooses to do. I mean, we tried when they were little to expose them to everything so they could kind of figure out what it was that they like and that they wanted to spend their time doing. Yeah, and I think that is really important, especially in raising a son to not really expose them to specific gender roles. And I know that is tough in an Italian family as I came mm-hmm. from one as well. And it was something that Mark and I discussed prior to us moving in because we both grew up with stay-at-home moms so our moms did all the the laundry and the dish the dishes and all of those kinds of chores and our dads worked and came home and kind of were like king of the house when they got home which as an adult I understand that now but we had to sit down and have a conversation because I said like I'm working too I can't do all the stuff that our moms did for the whole household growing up we have to split it evenly which he was obviously fine with but I just don't think a lot of people have those conversations before they move in together but having a son like you do that will already have the outlook that he sees both of his parents working and doesn't have any specific gender role chores or whatever. He's able to do what he wants is something really important. Absolutely. So how do you encourage your kids to embrace their differences and celebrate their individual strengths and personalities? Because 
Lil is definitely type A competitive person and like you said Mateo's more go with the flow creative and so their mindsets are very different in a good way but how do you help do they ever struggle with that maybe one wants to be more like the other or that they don't understand each other's thought process because they're very different and how do you deal with that sometimes um, my mom has a my mom has a nickname. She calls them the Bickerton <laughs> because they are they are you and kind of bicker. I don't know. I've never I've not been the younger sibling, but I know what it's like to be the oldest. Yeah, really try to explain it to Liliana when I can to have her open her mind a little. Obviously, them being different gender, yeah, being four years apart. There's really not that, that the competitiveness bond, between each other. There's yeah, not the competitiveness. Yeah, there's not the major bond. But I will say. When we do family activities, they're definitely they definitely support each other to a point. We mm-hmm. have fun, the four of us, which is which is awesome, and they're very family oriented. They do support each other, yeah. kind of sometimes silently. They're not always at each other's events, <laughs> but they do support each other when they can. I, Liliana, you know, for example, Mateo came in from stage crew today, and he, she asked how his day was. They they want to know where each other's whereabouts is, which is, yeah, which is funny, that's... or what they got go what they got going on, and you know he looks to her like tonight. I heard him say, "Can you help me with this math?" And she dropped what she was doing and helped him, which was which was really nice because um, I thought that was good that he was comfortable to ask her and yeah. she was able to help him out. So now that we learned a little bit about the way your kids interact and the way that you cut the advice that you give them, what would you say your parenting style is? I would say we're, we're routine. We are routine and structured. Mm-hmm. We started off very, very routine with them when it came to bedtimes and nap times. And if there was an activity that we had them in, we socialized them. We made sure that they got what they needed developmentally. My husband yeah. and I both have degrees in early childhood education so that obviously was played a major role in the way that we you know decided to parent from the beginning Mm -hmm. but right now I would say like I don't have a specific it's kind of like if you ask me about my education (laughs) yeah counseling philosophy I think it you have to differentiate again depending upon the situation and depending upon the need and depending upon the kid Mm -hmm. so I mean I would say that we're routine and that we're structured but then we, de- we deviate a little. I really try to, we give them a lot of, I don't want to say say, mm-hmm. but we do ask their opinion on things more so now, obviously, as they're getting older. But obviously, they know that Chris and I are the ones who are in charge. Ultimately. Yeah, right. So they respect us in that in that regard. And they respect other adults because we've really instilled that. They do. They are such since I've known them, have been great with conversations with adults, which is something that a lot of kids don't really have. They don't, they never were afraid to like converse with me and talk with me and ask questions and want to know. A lot of kids don't care about their mom's friends and they, I feel as though always like make an effort. It's not like weird or uncomfortable, even though I don't see them all the time, you know? No, I get what you're saying. And they also, they're very good at reading people. Mm-hmm. I think that they get that from my husband and I. And I think that when I, if my husband, depending on who we're around, if, if they know that I'm comfortable, yeah. they're going to be comfortable. True. Or, you know, if they see, they like to be included, you know, they want to be in on the phone yeah. also. So 
they make it a point to make sure that they're on their best feet. True. I just say to them, I, you know who said to me, this Kelly May, when I had both of her kids, she okay. said her son was not very social, didn't yeah. really want to talk with, but she used to tell him, if you, when we go somewhere, you only have to say two things. You need to say hello at the beginning and then at the end, goodbye yeah. and thank you. I don't care if you want to engage or not, but those are that's the expectation. That's good. And the other thing is the expectations, just because you explain to your doesn't matter how old Willow gets, sometimes you still have to remind them of their expectations going into a situation. Very true. All right, so for the last question, what is one piece of advice you would give to other parents? I think knowing your limits and knowing your boundaries is going to make you the best parent that you can be. And you can't compare yourself to other parents and your friends. Always do what works for you and your immediate Uh family. Because it might not work for me, it might not work for you, but if it works for for your family, then that's what you have to do. Comparison is so difficult in parenthood, and I try my best not to do that as well, but it's difficult not to. You know, you mm-hmm. see some kids doing better, some kids not doing as well as your kid, and you want them you want them to be the best at everything, but the reality of it is as long as they're the best that they can be that's all that matters correct and it's hard to not compare yeah you know ask for advice and and get other people's insights but ultimately make your own decision and figure out whether you were you know have a spouse or a partner or you're you you know or in a single you know parent household you have to do what works for for your family and what you feel that makes your household work every household has different moving parts to it some people might Mm -hmm. be single parents some people might have their in-laws living right next door they can drop their kids off no problem and go out and do anything any night of the week some might have crazy work schedules and i think there's no family that is exactly the same in regards to all of the things that they have for their family so that's why it's so important to not compare and like you said know your boundaries all right thank you so much for joining us for this episode of our podcast we hope you found our conversation with carissa a school counselor and fitness enthusiast to be informative and inspiring her insights on the importance of physical activity and mental health in our daily lives remind us that taking care of our bodies and minds is essential for leading happy and fulfilling lives. We are grateful for her dedication to helping students and her community in achieving a healthy and balanced lifestyle. Uh, I would like to thank you for sharing your time and experience with us and encourage our listeners to continue learning and growing in their own fitness journeys. Thank you, Carissa, for coming. I am always so glad to just have regular conversations with you. So this is a little bit more in depth and always talking about your wonderful family and your counseling. Mm -hmm. So thank you you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to keep following along at the running wine mom underscore. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and review the podcast. I hope everyone has a great week and I will see you next Tuesday.